pray together. Lord God, I, I ask that if, if we cannot say that right now, that I cast my cares upon you, that, that from the teaching and from the work of your Holy Spirit that's about to happen, that, that we would all be able to say, I, I can trust in Christ. I, I cast my life, my cares upon you. And there is now peace. I have peace in my heart and in my life. So God, do a work in us now as we look at your work together. In Jesus' name, amen. There's never a time um, when, when God is not at work in every single situation of our lives. God is always at work in every situation. Yesterday, the elders and I gathered to pray as we do on the first Saturday of every month. And we were lifting up many of you because we love you so much. And we were praying for those of you who are dealing with sickness, some of you who are dealing with hardship and conflict, some of you who are dealing with, with ongoing pain. And we prayed for you. And, and honestly, when, when the prayer requests begin to pile up and it begins to build, it, it can become a little bit overwhelming. And, and then I was reminded of the reality of, of the fact that God is at work in every situation. Everything that you're going through, God has a purpose for it. God has a plan for it. doesn't mean it's going to just be better simply because we prayed for it, but it may very well be that the thing that God has for you, that He wants to do through you or for you, is, is in this pain and in this difficulty. And so it's with joy that we can, we can pray. But we're always going to have problems. Listen, I've got problems, you've got problems, and my problems seem like a very big deal to me. And I'm sure that if I were to say to you, here's what my problems are, here's my pain, here's what I'm dealing with, some of you would say, dude, that's nothing. That's nothing. You, you might think, man, this guy's a sissy. What's he crying about all the time, right? And, the, and vice versa, I might hear your problems and say, that's not a big deal. What we do need to understand, though, is that everything that's a big deal to us is a big deal to our dad. If it's a big deal to us, it's a big deal to God. You know, there's a, a young person who was home had a spat with this person there dating. The dad just looked at the child and said, you need to get over it. That's puppy love. And the mom consoling said, well, it may be puppy love, but it's a big deal to the puppy. And you know what? Puppies have problems too. And you know what? God cares about his children. And those of us who know him by name, he cares for us. He cares about what we're going through. More importantly than that, God is at work in every situation. He's doing something in this moment in your life. And so we can have peace. We can have peace no matter what circumstance we're in because we can be confident that God has a purpose for it. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, take it out and turn with me to Isaiah chapter 54. Uh, Sarah Koo is going to read for us. Sarah, why don't you come on up? She's going to read the last verse of this chapter we're going to read together. Let's all stand together in honor of God's Word. This morning we're going to be in Isaiah chapter 54. Sarah's going to read the, the last verse of this great chapter. Sarah, if you would read that for us. No weapon that is fashioned against you shall succeed, and you shall refute every tongue that rises against you in judgment. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their vindication for me because of the Lord. The Word of God. Thanks be to God. Well done, Sarah. Thank you. If you would, go ahead and be seated. We're... We're so grateful to God to be, get to be an international family of faith. Um, not only do we have different nationalities that worship with us here in the worship center and also in the chapel, you may not be aware of this, but we actually have six other congregations that are wor worshiping on this premises right now. 
We have three Burmese, a Chinese, a Nepalese, and an East African congregation that are meeting right now and worshiping the same God. Isn't that cool? We praise God for that. <laughs> God lets us to be a part of that, not only to the nations of the world, but, but, but here, right here in Bowling Green. You know, as we look at this text today, I want to remind you of what we looked at last week. The tone of this text is drastically different than the tone of last week's text. Last week, if you would, glance back at Isaiah 53. And what we looked at last week was the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. We were mindful of the prophecy uh, of, of what God said would happen to His Son who became flesh and how He would die and how painful and awful it would be. And, and that, that pain of His gives us hope because we know that, that in Christ alone, the sufficiency of our salvation has been provided because of the awful payment for which He has made. His death pays for our sin because the wage of sin is death. And His resurrection gives us hope and confidence that He is the one true God. Well, what we see in our text today is the result of Jesus' death. We get to see the, the hope that is ours that we can have in any circumstance. We can have peace no matter what. Now, remember who this text was being written to. These were pre-exilic people of God. That is, they were God's people who were living in a time before the Babylonian captivity took place. They are about to be taken hostage into a hostile world into the Babylonians where they will be taught all kinds of false religions, where there will be great darkness. But as they are being prepared to go into this dark time, God says to them, you can still have peace. I don't know what our nation is going to be like in the next few weeks and months. I don't know what it will be like in a, in a few years. But here's what I am certain of. God is with us. And because God is our God, we can have peace no matter what our circumstances are. You know, it's easy for us now, as New Testament people of God, to look back on those Jews who were being taken, and those Judites who were being taken into Babylonian captivity and say, you know what, God took care of them. You know, they didn't have anything to worry about. I mean, after all, God, God said He was going to take care of them, and God always does. They didn't need to worry. See, what you and I have the privilege of doing is looking at the Word of God. And we get to see the whole counsel of God. We get to see all that God has said He was going to do and how He actually did it. And we also get to see that this world is not our home and there's going to come a time when the Lord will return. See, we look at the Bible and we understand it's not a collection of stories. It's not a collection of sayings. It's a single story with four parts. Creation tells us that God made everything to be in harmony. And the reason why the world is broken is because of the fall, because we sin. But the good news is that Jesus has come, God in the flesh, to rescue us. And we talked about what that required of God last week in the crucifixion of Jesus Christ and His resurrection. And we're now in this time of the rescue. God is at work in the world. God is at work in every single situation in our lives. And we have hope because we know this world is not our home. We know that one day Jesus Christ is going to return it. So we can see all of our problems. We can see all of our pain through the lens of the reality of the Word of God and the reality of what's going to happen in the world. We can know that God has promised that He would never leave us or forsake us. We know that God has a plan for all of our pain and all of our problems. And just as He has been faithful before, He will be faithful now. What we are going through is for the glory of God. It is a part of His purpose. And, and so right now, we're able to see with unveiled faces. 
we're able to see what, what others in the world cannot see because of what Jesus is doing in our life. See, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, look what it says. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. We have the joy of knowing Jesus. And because the Spirit of God is alive in us, we can now translate, we can understand the reality of what's happening in our world through the Word of God. Because now that we trust Jesus, the veil is removed. We can now see life for what it is. It's an opportunity to grow in the likeness of Jesus Christ. And so what happens with every problem and all of our pain is this. We are conformed more closely to the image of Christ. No one ever wants their pain or their problem when they're in the middle of it. But when you walk with Christ through it, on the other end, you're so grateful for the work that God did in it. And God is doing something in your pain today. The problems you face, the conflicts that you're having, God is at work in all of it. And so we have the joy of, of knowing. But you know what? There's going to come a day. We think we know something right now. You know, it's funny. I was kind of preparing the sermon. I was just thinking, oh, yeah, we know the Word of God. We understand the will of God. We know how God works in the world. And, and then I thought, you know what? We don't know jack squat compared to what we will know. There's going to come a day when we're actually going to know something. It talks about it in that First John chapter 3, verse 2. It said, Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has, has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him because we shall see Him as He is. And can I tell you, when you see Jesus face to face, everything is going to make sense. Everything is going to make sense. There's going to be a point, Christian, in your existence when you're going to look back on this problem and the pain that you've been going through and you're actually going to say, say to Jesus, thank you. Thank you for taking me through this conflict. Thank you for causing this pain. Thank you for allowing me to have this problem because I had to turn to you in prayer during that season because I had to trust in you more. And now that I see you face to face and now that I see that you are working in my life, conforming me to the image of your son, now I can see what you were up to. And so I say thank you. We have to understand we are going to face tribulation. So long as we are in this broken world, we are going to have pain. But good news, we know the one who is overcome. Remember what Jesus said in John 16, 33. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Jesus said, you're going to have problems. You're going to have pain. It may seem like, you know, puppy pain to, to, to some people, but it's pain to you. And, and regardless of what you're going through, no matter what others may say, God cares about it. And God is at work in every single situation that you and I go through. And, and He is at work to conform us to the image of His Son. And so, in everything we go through, we can always have peace. Do you have peace today about everything that's going on in your life? Do you have genuine peace about everything that's going on in the world today? See, to have that, there are certain conditions that must be met. And that's that's what I want you to see in today's text, and that's what I want you to take notes on. There are certain conditions that must be met in order for us to have peace in every circumstance. And I stated in the negative just so that we can understand the seriousness of it. The first one is this. There can be no peace until we are the bride of Christ. When you look at 
Isaiah 54, you understand that God is talking to a people who are about to go through a very difficult time. And the reason why they went through that difficult time is because they did not want to give up their small kingdom, that, that is, give up the things that they wanted in, in, in this life in order to pursue what God wanted for them. See, whenever we won't pursue what is best, what is ultimate, God, because He loves us, shakes us up. And He shows us that there's something bigger, there's something better for us to live for. See, the, the people of God, these Judites, they, they were not living out the purpose of God. God had revealed their purpose to their ancestor, Abraham. Look at the purpose. Look at why God chose them. Look at why God had blessed them and made them their people. This is Genesis chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. He goes on to say, I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. God said, I'm going to bless you so you can bless the rest of the world. But God's people decided, you know what, God? I'm not interested in the rest of the world. I'm interested in me. I want to have the great job. I want to have the great stuff. I want to be, I want to be the top of the ball team. I want to have it now. I, I, you know, I don't have time for you, God. I've got to pursue my hobbies. I've got to get my income. I've got to get my looks going. I've got, to go, I've got to go buy this piece of land that I've got to keep up with because it's going to be my safe place where I go hide out and do things and, and where I can just kind of be alone and, and, and have the dominion over my kingdom. And God says, there's no peace in that. God's people were trying to find peace in anything but God. And so whenever we do that, God removes those things to get our attention. And so God took them into captivity. They turned away from Him, so He turned away from them. Not because He didn't love them, but because He did. Because He wanted to call them back to, to be the people of God so that they could have genuine peace. And so God tells the people, get ready for a blessing. Get ready for the blessing that is the ultimate blessing, which is being the blessing. The greatest blessing you will ever receive in your life is getting to be the blessing of the kingdom of God to the world. Look what he said in verse 1 of, of Isaiah 54. Oh, single barren one who did, not, who did not bear, break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have, not, who have not been in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than the children of her who is married, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent and let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes, for you will spread abroad to the right and to the left, and your offspring will possess the nations and will, will people the desolate cities. What's he saying? I'm going to bless you to be a blessing. I'm going to provide for you the opportunity to stand for what is light, for what is right, for what is living. And God says, I'm going to provide a people that will come to know me. So expand your tent. Go ahead and get everything ready. Get ready to see cities filled and peopled with those who will know the name of God. Get ready to be the blessing. Second thing he talks about is, is how he's going to do that. How does he do that? He does that by making us his own. We are the bride of Christ. Look at this description, verses 4 through 9. Fear not. For you will not be ashamed. Be not confounded. You will not be disgraced. For you will forget the shame of your youth and the reproach of your widowhood. You will remember no more. For your Maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. And the Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer, the God of the whole earth that he has called. For the Lord has called you like a wife, deserted and grieved in spirit. 
like a wife abused when she is cast off, says your God. For a brief moment, I deserted you, but with great compassion, I will gather you. In overflowing anger for a moment, I hid my face from you, but with everlasting love, I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. This is like the days of Noah to me, as I swore to the water that the waters of Noah should no more go over the earth. So I have sworn that I will not be angry with you and will not rebuke you. What's he saying? I know you you rejected me. God says, I know you committed spiritual adultery. Please understand, every time you and I sin, we are committing spiritual adultery. We have a God who loves us who says, I want to make you my own. I want you to be my bride. And whenever we turn to anything else other than God for worship, to satisfy the longings of peace in our lives, we're committing spiritual adultery. And God said, I know what you've done. And I know that that there's shame. And I know that there's discouragement. But God says, no more. You're mine. I'm making you my bride. And I'm going to make you this so that you can be a blessing to the ends of the earth. And what makes that happen is God's steadfast love. Look at verse 10. For the mountains may depart and the hills be removed, but my steadfast love shall not depart from you, and my covenant of peace shall not be renewed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. God will never give up on us. Even though our faithfulness may fail, His faithfulness never will. And friends, that's part of the pain of the suffering that will be held for those who don't believe. For some of you who have rejected Christ and you continue to reject Christ, Jesus and His love for you, He's calling you to be His own. He's, he's inviting you. He's showing you His love. But you keep putting Him off. You keep telling them, no, i got to work. No, no, no. i, I, I got to get stuff. i, I got to get people thinking well of me. i got to have a certain look. i got to get certain things. And you keep putting Christ off. If you die separated from God this way, a big part of the pain of hell is going to be, even as you are under the justice and judgment of God, knowing that He loves you still. That He has loved you, and He will always love you. A big part of the pain of those who are in hell today is the fact that God loves them, loves them, will always love them. But the just demands of God must be met. Friends, God loves you. He loves you, and you matter to Him. And if you if you understand that, then He matters to you. And because God matters to us, we have to matter to one another. See, God doesn't save us and put us off and, and by ourselves. He makes us the bride of Christ. The bride of Christ is the church. It is God's people. And God calls us not only to care about Him, but to care about one another. Look what, it, look what that looks like. There, there was a writer, we don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews, but he was writing to a people who, who, had, who had claimed that Christ was their Savior and Lord, but they were unwilling to remain committed. Instead of gathering for church, they were doing other things that were more important to them. Instead of serving the, and, and being a part of what God was doing in that family of faith, that they went and did other things. Look what he says in Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 24. He said, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Friends, whenever you who claim Christ and claim membership here at Living Hope, whenever you don't gather for worship, you discourage the saints. Because when you don't gather, what you're saying is, 
there's something more important I'd rather be doing than being with my church family and with worshiping God. And what that says to a non-believing world is, well, if it doesn't matter to them, why should it matter to me? And what it also says to a believing community of faith that you're in a covenant with. You're in a covenant with, if you're a member here, you're in a church covenant. You've said, I am, I am connected forever eternally with Christ, and I'm committed to love and to care for this congregation and to be amongst these people. And when you say, you know what, there's other things that are more important to me, it discourages the congregation. You say, well, this is a big church. No one knows when I'm absent. Which only says to you, you are out of fellowship with us. If you, if you can miss church on any given Sunday and no one miss you, you're out of fellowship with us. You're disconnected. Your name may be on the rolls, but you need to understand something. If you can miss church and no one miss you, you're not in the right relationship. When we have dinner at our house and everyone's expected to be there and someone doesn't show up, I know. I know because I love them and because they're a part of our family. If you are a covenant member of Living Hope and you don't show, you're discouraging the membership. You're discouraging the people of God. And God has called us to encourage one another, to be here, to, to give praise. When you're here lifting up your voice to God, what you're saying to a non-believing world and to this believing community is this God is worthy of this time. God is worthy of this praise. God is worthy of my attention to, to, to hear his word preached rightly so that I can go and I can be a part of what God is doing. I can be his bride. We have to understand that one day, as his bride, we will be brought to him. Look at this beautiful picture in Revelation 21, verse 2. It talks about the end time, what, what this will look like. And I heard a loud voice through the throat saying, oh, no, no, not that one. That's, that's, verse, uh, that's verse 3. Go back to verse 2. I messed you up. There we go. Look at this. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. The church is the bride of Christ. And right now in this world filled with temptation, we get to show our faithfulness to our bridegroom, to Christ himself. And one day we will be brought to him and we will be with him forever. And at that time, we will enjoy the dwelling of Christ. And so write it down, the second thing, there can be no peace until we are the dwelling of Christ. See, when we repent and believe, we become, we become the place where God lives. I know this sounds crazy, but it's true. When, when we give our lives to Christ, Christ is alive in us. And look what, what we're described as in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? We are the place where God dwells. We are the dwelling place of God. And so what we see happening in, in, in Isaiah 54 is this physical language describing the spiritual reality. He says, we were once afflicted, storm-tossed, and not comforted. We were on our own. But now you look at the last part of verse 11. We are now adorned and protected by God. I have to read this. Look at it. I will set your stones in antimony and lay your foundations with sapphires. I will make you pinnacles of a gate, your gates of carbuncles, and all your wall of precious stones. What's he saying? When people see you, they're going to see the beauty of Christ. You're going to be a dwelling place that is covered in what is beautiful. And what is more beautiful than Christ himself? In this secure dwelling, look what we'll be able to do. Verse 13, we'll be able to train up the next generation. Look at verse 14. We will be able to stand in the righteousness of Christ. Look what it says. In righteousness you shall be established. We will have freedom in Christ as his dwelling. 
We will have the freedom to obey Him. Look at verse 14. You shall be far from oppression. We will no longer be under the dominion of sin and darkness. Have no fear of anything or in any situation. It says in verse 14, the last part, for you shall not fear and from, and from, from, and from terror, for it shall not come near you. See, by the power of the gospel, we become the dwelling place of Christ. We become the one, that, that beautiful picture of the adornment on the outside, that's what we become as Christians. We become the righteousness of Christ. Look what it says in 2 Corinthians 5.21. It says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of Christ, so that we are covered in the righteousness of Christ. We are the dwelling of God. And we are covered in the righteousness of Christ. And one day we will be with him forever in righteousness. So what it says, that back to Revelation 21, after verse 2, where it talks about us being the bride. Look at the description here in verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. We are able to look back and see the faithfulness of God, where He dwelled with His people. We as Christians now understand God dwells in us. We are the righteousness of Christ. And there is coming a day when we will dwell forever with the Lord in righteousness. We are His bride. We are His dwelling Third thing, understand, there can be no peace until we are the heritage of Christ. We are protected by God's power. The enemies of God will fall. Look at verse 15. If anyone stirs up strife, it is not for me. Whoever stirs up strife with you shall fall because of you. God says, look, I love you. You are my bride. In you I dwell. Anyone who comes against you is coming against me. You come against me, you fall. This is the power of our God. So as we go through difficulties and pain, you say, well, why do I go through difficulties and pain? Is it because God is too weak? No, it's because God has a great plan. God is at work in every circumstance of your life and mine. And so when pain comes, when there are problems, when there is conflict, it's not a surprise to God. He's working through them. God uses the weapon of the enemies for his purposes. Look at verse 16. Behold, I have created the smith that blows the fire of coals and produces a weapon for its purpose. I have also created the ravager to destroy. God says, anything that comes against you, I have allowed it for a purpose. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, talks about the fact that in this world, we are going to have to go through difficulties. We are going to go through these times when, when our faith is going to be tested. It's not because God does not love us, it's because He does. The pain that you're going through, the problems you're facing right now, is the means by which God is working to get you to trust Him more. And so what we have is this great heritage. Every weapon that the enemy has and every argument, it will fail, it will fall. Look at verse 17. No weapon that is fashioned against you shall succeed. God's people have always stood. You go back and you read the Old Testament. You see the heroes of the faith listed in Hebrews chapter 11. Look what it says about them at the end of this, of this whole listing of people who live by faith. This is Hebrews chapter 11, beginning in verse 39. And all these, though commended uh, through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. These guys in the Old Testament that are listed in Hebrews chapter 11, they were faithful, and they didn't have half of what we have. 
They didn't have the Spirit of God. They didn't have the whole council. They didn't have the Bible in a single book. They had a few scrolls. And yet, you know what they were? They were faithful to God. And now they are a cloud of witnesses. They are our heritage on which we stand. And now we, who are in this world as God's bride, as His dwelling, living out His heritage, we who are not a people, we are now God's people. Look what it says in First Peter chapter 2. But you are a chosen race, a, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of the visitation. We are right now called to live out the heritage of the faith of those who've gone before us. We live this out understanding that there are those amongst us who do not believe. And as they see us go through pain, as they see us face these problems, as they see us deal with conflict, they see the difference that Christ is making in our life. Because we are the people of God. We are His bride. We are His dwelling. This is our heritage. And it doesn't end here. There will be a day when the victory will be won. Please understand, it's only right now that we get to fight the fight of faith. It's only, think about it like this. It's only right now that we're, we're making our stories that will be told in heaven. Will there be any stories told about you in heaven? Or will you be the one standing in the back who just made it? See, there are going to be people that are going to be told of in heaven as they are told in God's Word today. Stories of people who made great sacrifices with their lives, who were willing to, to take a stand, who were criticized, who were willing to, to bow their knee and to pray for the brokenness of this world and to share the gospel with those in need. See, you and I are writing our story now. It's the story that will stand for all of eternity because as Christ's people, we will be with Him forever. And it's only now in this life that we have the joy and honor to fight the good fight of faith. How you doing? Are you living as the bride of Christ? Are you living as the dwelling place of God? Are you standing on the heritage, building the heritage, pointing to the coming of our Lord? Will there be stories told of you in heaven of how when you faced that problem, when you faced that sickness, when you were in the middle of that conflict, when, when you had to step out and to do something and your family was saying, don't go to South Africa, don't spend your money on that, don't give to that church, don't give your time, don't serve, go and do what makes you happy, go be on the ball team, don't worry about worship, get some extra sleep, don't worry about that gathered family of faith, don't, don't worry about serving God. Serve yourself. You don't have time to work with children. After all, you've got more important things to worry about. Yourself. Do your own. Is that what the stories will be said of you in heaven? Friends, make it so that people have to say, look at the sacrifice. Look at the faith. Look at the joy of the hope that they had. No matter what happened, they were able to say, it is well with my soul. I trust God's plan. I know He has a purpose for my pain and my problems. 
And, and rather than sheepishly put my head down, feeling sorry for myself, I'm going to go to the Lord in prayer and say, Lord, I trust you in this. I need your help. I need you to help me through this. I need you to help me not to be afraid. I need to know that, that you're still God. That's normal, friends. We should always we should always know that we're going to need to say that and sing that. But here's the good news. If, you, if today you need peace, come get on your knees and ask God to give it to you. If you need Christ, ask Him. He will save you. Let's stand together as we pray. Father, I know that there are many today who need you. We all need you. Some today need to come and just get on their knees and say, Lord, I need you in this area of my life. I need you to forgive me or I need you to help me to see how you're at work in this situation. I need to trust that you're at work. I need to be able to count on you with what I'm going through right now, Lord. I need you. I need you to help me. Father, hear the prayers of those who, who look to you now and as we sing this glorious truth, may it comfort our hearts to know that we can have peace in any situation because you, God, are at work in every situation to bring about a good end for your kingdom purpose that we might be more like Jesus and have peace and hope. So God, hear the prayers and the, and the words of your people now. In the name of Christ we ask it. Amen.